Welcome to the Kettle Call podcast. Today we will be talking about our research call of the month. We have Matthew Shapiro again to join us in a little bit. But let me go, before we call Matthew, let me go ahead and call Brooke Latek, who is going to be the host of this call today. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. So let's go ahead and call Matthew. Sure. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Brooke. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks. That's great. Um, so I'm excited to have you here again this week, and we're going to talk about a more specific project. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about what you do and how that kind of relates um, to fire management. But this week, we're going to go ahead and talk about one of your projects related to livestock grazing and burning of land to manage fire. So how does that sound? That sounds good. Perfect. So just to get started and to introduce our listeners to your project, could you just tell us a little bit about the project and how you developed the idea for it? Sure. Yeah. Just to remind listeners and for those who um, you know didn't listen to the last uh, episode, I serve as the Livestock and Range Advisor for Cooperative Extension in Ventura and Santa Barbara counties. And um, my, I've been in, in the role for about four years, and my program has kind of been almost defined by fire in a way. I, I started just a couple of months before the Thomas Fire, which folks may remember um, was at the time the state's largest fire in recorded history at uh, 283,000 acres. And for, especially the first couple of days of the fire, it burned just a tremendous amount of grazed rangeland uh, in Ventura County. And so it's, you know, fire's kind of been on my mind uh, for the length of my career. And I've been engaged in, in a couple of different projects that have tried to think about fire and the inter its interaction with grazing and, and even policy work around fire. And this particular project, the one that I'm happy to describe today, um, is not really my brainchild. I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, it's a, it's at the end of the day, it's a, a UC project, UC funded project through the Russell Rusticci cattle endowment up at UC Davis. But uh, the project design was spearheaded by uh, a colleague, friend, and actually a fellow graduate student back in the day, Roxanne Foss. And she works for a private consulting firm out of the Bay Area, Volmar and uh, Volmar Natural Lands Consulting. And so she came to a group of UC researchers with this idea to really understand with a little more detail and quantification um, exactly the interaction of grazing and fire behavior. Um, so yeah, happy to talk about kind of the, the specifics of that unless you have any other bigger picture questions about how, how the project came together. Yeah, I think it'd be really great to hear just more about what specifically you guys are doing with this project and how it kind of relates to your area and the people that you serve. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the kind of, at least to me, stunning um, realizations about the state of range science and wildfire science is in California, we don't have a really clear sense of how grazing affects fire behavior. I mean, I think it's it's intuitive and, you know, anyone who spent time out on rangeland and in grazed rangelands in particular and has seen wildfire kind of move through those landscapes knows that, you know, grazing changes fire behavior and, and reduces fire activity and fire behavior. 
And so, you know, it's, yes, it's a good prescription to graze um, as a way to sort of um, either stop fire or mitigate or slow the effects of fire. Um, but, you know, as our state becomes increasingly affected and impacted um, by sort of the scale and scope of wildfires on an annual basis, it seemed important to understand that relationship more specifically and concretely. And yeah, so the stunning part is that we just don't really have that information. Um, for those who aren't familiar or, you know, especially familiar with range science, one of the really like basic ways that we uh, measure uh, use, range use, or sort of the intensity of grazing is by measuring the amount of biomass, which is present on the landscape. So that's, a, that's measured by, uh, you know, in pounds per acre. And so it's pretty common to talk about there being 800 pounds per acre or 1500 pounds per acre, or maybe at peak production, there's four or five or 6,000 pounds per acre. And there's a number of like important conversions you can use to um, understand, uh, you know, how much cattle are eating on a daily basis, cattle or sheep are eating on a daily basis. So how many, you know, grazing days you might have in an acre, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, a really important sort of management tool that we have is this, this idea of residual dry matter, which is the amount of biomass that's left at the end of the grazing season. So right before the first rains in California and our Mediterranean climate, which are hopefully in the fall. And um, a lot of time agencies or um, landowners who are interested in um, sort of controlling grazing on their property will say, will set a mark of like to what level a producer can graze his or her cattle. And that depends on slope and on tree cover and um, on rainfall zone, but it's somewhere around six to 800 pounds per acre, maybe 1200 pounds per acre towards the coast in systems that have a, more of a perennial grass component. Um, but we're sort of this fire research is piggybacking off of some of those kind of more basic management concepts. And so what we were interested in doing was manipulating grass to be at specific levels of biomass and then trying to understand how those levels of biomass relate to different fire behavior metrics. And so, um, we're, and then and then we're trying to do that on a statewide scale. So we're, we're aiming for at least nine sites, uh, hopefully 12, although we're finding that it's increasingly hard and complicated to get fires accomplished um, in the state. So we'll see how far we get. But the basic idea is that at any one site, we're sort of opportunistically piggybacking off of prescribed fire, which is ongoing. Um, I'll admit that prescribed fire is not wildfire. So wildfire, you know, typically burns under more extreme conditions. So that's lower relative humidity, higher temperatures, but it's kind of the best we can do. And I'll, and I'll say that we do try to sort of push the envelope, push the prescription. So, um, you know, I mean, we're just last week we burned and it was in the eighties and the relative humidity was in the low thirties. So, we're not far off of what uh, wildfire conditions would be. Um, but so we're using prescribed fire and um, whenever there's a burn happening, we identify that burn 
And we're setting up these plots before the burn. And these plots um, are mode uh, at four, well, mode at three levels. And then we have a fourth level, which is our sort of control or unmanipulated level. And that mowing effort, again, I'll admit is mowing is not grazing, but it's attempting to sort of be a proxy for grazing. And we mow at very particular specific levels. So um, roughly 250 pounds per acre, 500 pounds per acre, or excuse me, 250, 750, 1250, and then a, a unmanipulated control. And, um, and then during the fire, we're burning those strips and we're measuring fire behavior. So that means how fast the fire is moving. So rate of spread, how high the flame heights are getting. And then also the intensity of the fire. So we're using uh, temperature sensitive paint paints that burn off at different temperatures. So we're able to get a sense of how hot these fires are. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to um, make some really quantitative, you know, derive some quantitative relationships between rate of spread and flame height and these different, you know, quote unquote grazed levels, and hopefully begin to generate some um, recommendations about how hard you need to graze to be able to reduce flame heights below certain levels um, in ways that are relevant for firefighting and fire suppression efforts. That's that's pretty cool, Matthew. I, I think you you pretty much answer like while you were talk, you were talking, I was I was taking notes here, and I think you you pretty much uh, answered most of of my questions. I. And one one thing that came up to me, you mentioned about uh, cattle and sheep. Is there any animal? Is there any diff? Do you think there is, is there any difference between the two species, or an animal that you, you would prefer to have grazing uh, those those places, let's say pre-fire or something? Have you noticed anything on that or not? Yeah, that's a really good question and it's not something that we'll be able to answer with this particular project mm -hmm. obviously because we're not using any grazing of any kind instead we're using a weed whacker which i know again is not ideal mm -hmm. but it's the best we can do but you know it, it gets at i think a larger point and a, a larger question which is um you know there is a cattle industry obviously in the state there's still a sheep industry in the state but there's also this like new kind of blossoming industry of targeted grazing, um, most often with small ruminants. So with sheep and goats, and um, it's a very different business model, right? Instead of like paying to graze, you actually get paid to graze. And so mm -hmm. many of these new operators are, taking advantage of the very real threat of fire and um, people's willingness and desire to pay to have vegetation removed. And that vegetation is frequently grassland, but it's also often shrubland and sort of woodland vegetation types. And one thing I didn't emphasize in my sort of project summary is that, but maybe it was obvious is that you know, the work that we're doing, the experimental work we're doing is just in grasslands. So mm -hmm. we're not treating shrublands and woodlands, but um, so, you know, so the sort of, you know, relationship between pounds per acre and fire behavior will only hold in grassland contexts. But, you know, I, I'll repeat here what is sort of what's often repeated and is, is sort of kind of basic and intuitive, which is, you know, that 
sheep, goats, and cattle graze differently and not, not necessarily sort of in the mechanics. I mean, yes, in the mechanics and the way that their mouths work. I don't think that that ultimately has like a big difference, for example, in grassland in terms of how fire behavior works after it's mm -hmm. been grazed by a cow versus a sheep. But also, you know, their diets um, and their species, you know, their vegetative species selection is different. So, you know, people think of goats as being better browsers and eating shrubs and woodland species more readily, which is true. Um, so I think there's that to consider, you know, when you're thinking about using grazing animals, you know, picking the right animal um, for, you know, the vegetation type you have. But one other point I'll make is, um, you know, commercial production grazing that happens in like a traditional cattle or sheep operation. It's very different again than is targeted grazing, grazing, mm. because with targeted grazing, you know, the operator is getting paid by the day or by the acre and they're willing to graze as hard whenever you want to pay them to do that. Whereas in a, I'll take a cattle operation as an example there's a much more sort of nuanced uh, feed management scenario that the rancher is is needing to balance. And so one of the one of the points of tension, I think, in California when it comes to balancing livestock production and fire is that, you know, livestock producers graze inherently conservatively, especially in the summer months, because they're always needing to have feed carry them. Um, and what I mean by that is that in the summer, when you would want, you would want your sort of grasslands to be grazed pretty hard in the context of, you know, slowing or stopping fire from moving across the landscape, ranchers are typically unwilling to graze that hard across their whole ranch because they need feed for six or eight more months. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, um, cattle grazing kind of there's there, yeah, there's just that tension, right? So you need, so perhaps in the context of a cattle operation, you need to think harder about, um, are there strategic pastures that either typically have fire move on, like fire, you know, the prevailing winds mean that fire typically come from a certain direction. So you want to graze those strategic pastures much harder in the summer while leaving other pastures largely ungrazed for your fall and winter feed, et cetera. Um, whereas again, just by way of contrast, the targeted grazing scenario, um, you're able to graze much harder because the targeted grazers can graze your property, but then move on to another one. And they always sort of have feed somewhere else for later in the year. One of the outcomes I think of our work is um, giving people a better sense of how hard you have to graze to be effective in the context of fire. I've heard anecdotally stories of cities or counties or municipalities that have hired targeted grazers, again, typically sheep or goats, um, and, and given them the instruction that they want certain areas, certain grassland areas grazed down to dirt, because that's what they think they need to, to ensure that fire sort of won't affect or won't travel through that particular area. And there's obviously, or maybe it isn't obvious to everyone, but there are certainly some, you know, natural resource concerns when you graze mm -hmm. down to dirt. And especially if you do it year after year in the same area. And so one of the outcome, one of the anticipated outcomes of our work, I think, will be to demonstrate that perhaps you don't need to graze down to dirt to accomplish some of the same, um, to get to, yeah, to, to achieve 
um, the same goals in terms of being sort of fireproof or fire resilient. So, you know, perhaps maybe it's not zero pounds per acre, but instead it's 300 pounds per acre and you're sort of accomplishing the same thing, but you're still leaving some vegetation above ground to, to address some of the other natural resource concerns. So anyways, I know I've rambled a bit about a lot of different things, so uh, I'll stop now. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I enjoyed a lot and it's good to see the good side of having cattle in, in our system, not cattle, it's more ruminants as well, that they can be part of the solution and not, not always a problem like some, some people like to do. Totally. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. That's really great information, Matthew. Um, I've actually anecdotally, like you have heard different stories about people um, saying, you know, this has worked really well during the fire season for them and some saying that doesn't work well at all. So I think having this data that you guys are going to produce will be really helpful for everyone to really understand what's what's the actual helpful metric there. Matthew, just before we, we finish up here, can you just share with us a little bit, you, you already shared in the, the previous episode, how, how can people follow your work and how can they keep updated with, with the things that you're currently doing? Yeah, so I have a website with some basic information, email and phone and, and some information about my programs in Ventura and Santa Barbara County on the Cooperative Extension websites for those counties. So you can go to, go there. But uh, I am also active on social media, so I've got a Facebook page, um, but I'm especially active on Instagram, and my name there is Livestock and Range, and that's all one word. And I'll say that um, because this project is taking up a lot of my bandwidth, I end up posting quite a bit uh, about this project. So for those who are interested, you know, there's some pretty neat recent photographs from some of the burns that we've been doing uh, in Santa Barbara County and uh, Madera County. And I hope over the next couple of months, we'll be burning in Humboldt and Sonoma and Monterey and uh, Fresno counties. And again, in Santa Barbara County. So, um, you know, fire, I think there's a little bit of a pyromaniac in all of us. Um, so uh, there's some pretty neat uh, photographs of, of our, our work, our experiments, and then, um, in the text, uh, I often try to kind of explain and give context to to what the photographs are about. So, yeah, that that name is livestock and range, all one word on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matthew. We've we've really enjoyed hearing about uh, your your program, your work uh, last week, and then also about this specific project that I think is extremely relevant for California. So I I look forward to seeing those results. Yeah. Thanks, Brooke. Pretty good. I think. We, the last two months, right, Brooke, we were able to, this month and last month, we were able to cover a little bit, a really, let's say, hot topic that we have right now, uh, <laughs> getting getting to the summer in California. Last month, we talked about prescribed fire. This month, we are talking about the the role of, of animals, like grazing, in, in preventing these, these bad fires that we've, we have experienced here in California. So I, I hope that gives our listeners really good information and resources to prevent that those things. So that's good. So any final comments, Brooke, any final comments, Matthew? Nope. Thanks for having me on. And it's, it's, uh, it's always fun to talk about the research that's ongoing and, and nice to get the feedback that it feels uh, relevant 
uh, that, that it's a hot topic. Indeed, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, thank you once again, Matthew. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, our listeners, to, to listen to us. If you have any questions, uh, please send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. All of this information will be in uh, our Kettle Call newsletter, and you can subscribe using the link below in the description of this episode. And if you have any uh, questions to Matthew, we will put his contact information in the link as well. So thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Whispers are a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.